All episodes of Let the Music Play podcast can be found in both iTunes and at AshtonGustafson.com. If you have enjoyed these conversations and they have brought joy, peace, and resilience to your life, we ask that you would go to iTunes and leave a review. Our hope is to share these voices and conversations with as many people as we can. And by leaving a review, you will be helping this light make its way into the world. Hey everybody, Ashton Gustafson. Welcome back to another episode of Let the Music Play. This is where we chat about what it looks like, what it feels like, and what it means to make music with your life, your relationships, and your career. Super stoked today. Uh, not long ago, my mom sent me a uh, like just a random Instagram feed. Um, and this individual, this gentleman from New York City, uh, he's kind of a poet, a little bit of a mystic, always looking for beauty in the world, has a great way of uh, bringing the internal dialogues that we're all having about the human experience uh, out into the world, um, has thousands and thousands of followers on Instagram. And I reached out to him and I said, hey, I, I think we need to chat. I think you've got some things that you can teach us here at Let the Music Play podcast. So that being said, uh, his name is Diego Perez, but he goes by his writing handle. And if that's, I may have come up with the wrong way to say that, but his his pen name is Young Pueblo. And he joins us today from New York City. Uh, Diego, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ashton. I'm uh, really honored that you invited me to come and, you know, just a, a real pleasure to be here and be speaking with you today. Well, hey, man, I mean, it's uh, one of my passions is to bring uh, voices uh, that have been outside of our circle into the circle to cross lines um, to intersect with people all across the country. Um, and I just saw your words and your work and I was like, this guy's, this guy's dialed into some beautiful things. Um, for, for people that maybe have, they've, they've never heard of Young Pueblo, <laughs> mm-hmm. where, where do you begin with you and your work in the world? Oh, totally. Um, so, so like you said, my real name is Diego Perez, but I write under the name Young Pueblo and um, for a few reasons. So the, the word Young Pueblo literally means young people. Mm-hmm. And um, I use it as a name to really remind me of important things about my life and, and the way I see the world. And two of them is that um, I was originally born in um, Ecuador and um, there the word Pueblo means um, it refers to like the vast uh masses of people particularly economically impoverished people and mm. those are really my roots so i like always being reminded of that and really remembering you know where i come from the other part of it is that um i used to do a lot of um activism work particularly with young people um and that was always like a big thing that um you know stayed with me and really sort of motivated me and showed me you know, that young people um, have a lot of power. And, you know, right now I'm not particularly a young person. I'm 29 years old, but that was such a big part of my um, development uh, that it really stuck with me. And sort of moving forward as when I started meditating and really taking my spirituality very seriously, I started noticing that, you know, humanity as a whole was very young. Mm. And if you look at us as a collective, you know, um, we're really young people. And I think particularly this century, you know, we have a lot of things that we need to figure out and, you know, these big uh, situations that we need to, you know, observe and release or just overcome. So if you think about when we were younger and, you know, we were in kindergarten or, um, you know, just entering grade school and how our teachers were really focused on teaching us very basic things like not harming one another, not hitting each other, you know, um, telling the truth, uh, cleaning up after ourselves, you know, these simple things that 
humanity. I feel like, you know, individuals definitely might be able to do these things and are good, great at these things. But as a whole, we're still really learning how to be mature. And um, so that name, Young Pueblo, you know, has a handful of meanings, but it all serves to really remind me of uh, the purpose of what I'm doing. Wow, man, that's beautiful. I love that. So I guess, man, that's like a meal in itself. Um, (laughs) So so you... um, so humanity is waking up. Humanity, we, we are we are still in some, we got some growing up to do. Absolutely. I really think so. I mean, um, you know, we've definitely come a long way. There's been amazing, uh, amazing progress that we've made. Um, but I think in terms of like really being civilized, um, a lot of that is dependent on how we treat each other. Mm-hmm. And I think we have a, lo- a long way to go, you know, in terms of like how we treat each other, how we treat the earth and just... Um, you know, being able to live through the kindness and the love that our different um, religions and spiritual paths taught us, you know? Yeah, yeah. I love how you're like, we need to learn how to clean up after ourselves. We need to learn how to yeah. be polite. We need to learn how to, right. <laughs> not, we need to learn the, the art of nonviolence, all of these things. Uh, yeah, that we teach exactly. Our at a very young age. Totally. You know, we really try to instill them into our five year olds and four year olds, you know, as soon as they enter school. It's like, don't hit each other, you know, mm-hmm. tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you really look, if we really examine ourselves, honestly, we're still learning those things. Man, that's a good <laughs> word. So, um, okay. So like then, then, so you've got this, uh, this past of, uh, activism. Was this in America or was this in Ecuador between the oh, two? Yeah, so yeah, I came, so I came to um, the United States when I was very young. I came here when I was about four years old and, um, but yeah, it was all based in Boston. It started around the time when I was 15 years old, and it was sort of just um, really focused on public schools and improving the quality of our public schools and just like getting young people to, you know, realize for one that they have a ton of power and then just um, be able to, you know, act on that power and, you know, ask our um, ask and demand from our like principals and like different representatives in the school system, you know, we need higher quality computers or we need you know, more, you know, just the, whatever it is that we need to be better students, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so as you've, I mean, I, I take it you carry some of that with you for a long time. Um, but tell me about this new, this new chapter of writing, poetry, yeah. interior yeah. work. It seems to me as though you've got this path of meditation that has awakened you to some internal dialogues that, that you're now putting out into the world uh, to help all of us wake up a little bit. Definitely. I think um, even when I was very young, I was always sort of um, very interested in the word liberation. And Let's go. Um, Let's go. yeah. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and liberation was always like, you know, just fascinating to me. And I really understood, you know, the um, more so the external idea of liberation, you know, the freedom to move, mm-hmm. you know, wherever you want, the freedom to just, you know, not, not be harmed to be to to live you know with without oppressive structures sort of hampering your existence mm-hmm. and all that stuff but <clears throat> as i grew you know i think I, I took my first um meditation course when i was about 24 years old and when and this is um i practice uh vipassana astapa esenkoenka and um it's a purification for um i mean it's a technique for mental purification and it really showed me the internal internal dynamics of liberation and it really sort of um you know in a very beautiful way it just helped me overcome a lot of these things that were sort of 
you know, uh, your essentially your emotional history, the things that have happened to you yeah. throughout your life yeah. are embedded in your subconscious and they affect your daily behavior. So a lot of the healing work that people are doing these days is basically <clears throat> going into their subconscious, opening it up and just releasing a lot of these things that have sort of been bundled up in there and we carry from day to day to day. Yeah, you know, the tradition I come from, we, we refer to this uh, sometimes as like the shadow self. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, that um, it you it, until you find those still moments, um, until you find those moments to center into, uh, and what's crazy is I'm, I'm doing a lot of reading right now about uh, the reconnection between our hearts and our minds. Okay, um, yeah. And that a lot of this stillness can... Uh, uh, quiet the amygdala, <laughs> quiet mm -hmm. the lizard brain, mm -hmm. um, and allow the place of our <clears throat> mind where the subconscious things of ideas, beauty, wonder, mystery uh, right. can, can right. actually have some play. Um, sounds to me like you, you, you've had a similar experience. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you use the word stillness because I've been thinking a lot about it lately, especially over the past week and how what I've come to understand is that stillness is a function of mental purity. And, you know, the more the, the, the more we can purify our minds and which essentially means, you know, releasing the burdens that are sort of clogged up in there, mm -hmm. then the more still and the more calm the mind can be. And when the mind becomes calm like this, you know, you really start being able to, you know, release the layers of ego that allow consciousness to really come forward, you know, and that's where, you know, when a lot of people say when they go inward, you know, a lot of the mystic and spiritual leaders that we look up to or the ones that have created our religions and whatnot, you know, they say that there's a, this underlying love that sort of floats and creates the universe. Yeah. And we, you know, essentially all have access to that, but it's, a, it takes a lot of work, obviously, like, you know, just, you, you have to really put in the work and have a, a good solid technique to be able to just release these layers of ego that allow the, the innate love of consciousness and beyond that um, to really flow forward and, you know, be able to really feel that legit, legitimate freedom. Yeah. So, Tell me your your disciplines, your practice. Um, is this a once a day, twice a day, twenty minute sit, hour sit? What's it look like? For yeah, you? yeah. Um, so for me, I, I do um, I do two hours a day. I do one hour in the morning and one hour in the evening. Wow. And um, occasionally, I will like a few times a year, I'll go away to these um, ten day meditation courses. Um, the same technique always. Um, Vipassana, Tapas, and Goenka. And um, so what I really love about this technique in particular that really attracted me to it is that it's um, it's really universal in the sense where like it does, it is a teaching that was given to us by the Buddha, but no one in there is trying to make you Buddhist or anything like that. There's actually people from all different walks of life from literally like, you know, um, Catholics, Christians, Muslims, Jews, like. Um, people who, who are even atheists, they all go in there and they go in for a technique that really purifies the mind, that really helps you make the mind lighter so that you can be much more, um, you know, build the habits that, that your happiness and inner peace mm -hmm. require. Mm -hmm. And um, which to me is very beautiful because, you know, they're not trying to sell you anything. They're really just trying to give you this meditation technique that will just make your life so much better, easier and, you know, just help you live much more wisely. And, um, you know, one time I went in there and I was like translating for a Catholic nun and I'm just like, wow, like this is, this is amazing. Like, mm -hmm. you know, so many people are benefiting from this and, mm -hmm. you know, every, everybody goes home and they continue whatever tradition it is that they're a part of. They, you know, respect their own cultures and their, and their heritage that they have. And, and, you know, they're, they're just there to help heal themselves. Yeah. If it's true, yeah. it's true everywhere. 
Exactly. So that's what, that's, and that's what they're trying to say is that the Buddha wasn't trying to make a religion, but he was really a scientist of the mind. And what he discovered is this um, technique that really just helps uh, clear the mind of all these ill patterns that have, you know, been burdening, burdening us throughout our lives. So, you know, it never was originally meant to be this like massive religion with all these different, you know, ideologies and all these things, but it was really just a, a science of the mind. Interesting. So w- would you say that your experience uh, with these types of meditations that you've participated with, um, has it, uh, I know we, uh, I know we can't fully silence the jargon and the, the compulsive thoughts and thinking that we have in our minds, but, but ha- have you, have you noticed, um, I'm going to reach for some words here, a calmness, a, yeah. a, a, a solitude, a peace, a, um, a serenity, um, you know, I think it's Eckhart Tolle that says 97% of our thoughts are compulsive and rep- repetitive and not necessary or something like that. I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'd love to hear your experience in the last handful of years and what you've noticed internally that has then allowed you to live and exist and move in a more loving, peaceful, kind and gentle way. Yeah. Uh, thank you for asking. I mean, it's, it's been quite a journey and I think, you know, even when we use the word like stillness it's not necessarily that all the chattering in your mind stops but what matters is how you respond to the chattering in your mind and there are definitely times when all that you know really quiets down and there's nothing um but there are what's more important is um and this is the sort of my new favorite word that's really coming to life uh is your equanimity towards whatever is happening Mm -hmm. you know and really Mm -hmm. and really under really equanimity meaning that you're not you're not react, you know. You're not reacting with hatred, and you're not reacting with craving. So you're really just okay with what's happening in the moment. It is what it um, is. Exactly, it is what it is. And in though it is what it is, you also understand that it's impermanent, which helps you, you know, understanding that everything in the universe really, if you look at it even in a quantum mechanical level, like everything is vibrating and changing very rapidly. Yep. You know, if you think of our electrons and our atoms and whatnot, you know, things are changing so fast. But it's also true on the more um, you know, the bigger level that we sort of live on, it's just hard to physically see it with our eyes. But if you close your eyes and you start feeling what's happening in your body, you can literally feel the vibrations that are changing. So for me personally, I, you know, I used to deal with a lot of depression and, you know, I still feel sadness, um, but it's nowhere to the extreme that it was before. So I could literally feel the roots of my sadness, you know, being cut away and are just gone. And, you know, I used to suffer from a lot of anxiety, and now it's a lot less. Um, I, you know, I still definitely have anxious moments, but not to the extreme where it's so much so controlled my actions, you know, really allowing my pain to control my actions in the past. And the, today it's just very different from that. You know, I still feel these lower, the, the lower emotions that are heavy, but not to the same extent, you know, like I'm not, I'm not an enlightened being or anything like that. You know, I'm just um, a regular guy that's, um, you know, really making use of these um, old practices that really, you know, provide people real benefit. But um, it's it's been quite amazing seeing for me personally, you know, definitely used to suffer from anger and, you know, still have anger, you know, but just not to the same, you know, I don't I don't get as clouded for as such a long time as before, you know, before I would spend like days being angry because someone insulted my ego and the way I want them to, you know, view me um isn't exactly how i want it to be but then you know that anger will just subside so much more quickly and then i'll come to my senses and be like oh right like 
this is personally just me. They're not even really doing anything mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm the one who's like, you know, I'm cre- literally creating my own misery in this moment by just responding in this, you know, innate way. So it's, it's, it's letting go of these thoughts that aren't serving us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and naming those thoughts and realizing I am not my thoughts. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah. go ahead. Oh, no, and I would say even even going as far as to being like, um, you know how there's the idea of the observer, right, um, right? that you're observing your thoughts, but even there are moments where you're meditating and you can even really see that the thing that you view as the observer also is impermanent and it sort of just like withers away and, mm-hmm. you know, this whole conditioning of I, me, and my and um, the things that I hold, you know, they're really so temporal. I mean, they, they, they're really strongly accumulated together. But if you observe more deeply, you start seeing that these things also fall apart, fall away. Mm -hmm. Well, so how do you define ego? Um, I think our ego is basically, you know, it's I like to see it as a cloud that surrounds consciousness. So if you think of consciousness as the sun, you know, literally ego is sort of all the things that we've gathered up throughout our lifetimes, all of our conditioning, all of our um, really strong patterns, either like you know, through trauma or just through like habitual actions that we that we constantly take that just accumulate themselves around the purity and, and the, the natural movement of consciousness. And ego is essentially just, you know, everything that ties itself back to I, me and my and the way I identify hmm. with myself. And, you know, there's definitely, you know, the, the idea of like having healthy egos and we absolutely should not hate our egos. And actually, the ego is something that's very useful because if you think about it in a, from an evolutionary standpoint, the ego, the purpose of the ego is for us to not go insane. You know, the ego literally helps us process all the massive amounts of information that are constantly coming into us. Like if you look around your room, you know, there's just tons of colors and, um, you know, different items. And, you know, there's sunlight coming in and there's like there's just tons of information coming at you. And the ego is able to, you know, it's able to like discriminate in a very positive way so that your mind can focus itself and live properly so that you don't have to deal with the constant assessment of tons and tons of information. So in a way, yeah, the ego is very useful, but when you want to develop your wisdom and you want to sort of take yourself to a very high level of, um, of peace and calmness, then that means that instead of relying so heavily on your ego, you'll develop a new part of your mind, which is the part of your mind, which is can be equanimous towards all situations, mm-hmm. the part of your mind that can understand impermanence, then as your equanimity grows and becomes more powerful, there, there will be less and less a need for you to rely on your ego. And you can actually use that equanimity to perceive reality as it is and really come to understand yourself, the universe, and how everything works on a much higher level. I had never thought of this before. Equanimity, um, don't you also think that it postures you in a way uh, of where you you leave a, a mode of attack, like you don't, you're no longer, um, you no longer feel threatened by other mm-hmm. ideas or people or co- like you when in that state of equanimity, uh, mm-hmm. Father Father Richard Orr says everything belongs. It it just is. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. And, and you you are there. And then you allow re- reality can now uh, transform you rather than you feel like you have to respond or, or, or transmit something back mm-hmm. to reality. Mm-hmm. It, it gives you the opportunity to be transformed. Would, would you say your experiences, you found that in equanimity? 
Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's amazing because um, as your equanimity grows, you know, your the mind becomes extraordinarily powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you're very calm and you're actually just, you know, you know, detached, people think that detachment is something where you just become really passive. It's like, not at all. You know, you can be very active in life and, you know, you have to understand that love itself is a very active thing that really empowers us to make proper actions. But when our equanimity becomes really strong, the mind becomes so powerful, so calm that it's it's able to produce solutions to problems that you thought were impossible before, or it's mm-hmm. able to come with such such a strong creativity to right, be able to right. respond in a way that's just nuanced, you know, in a way that can actually address a problem as opposed to trying to just ignore the problem or push it away, you know. So when your mind is really calm like this. Um, it can really have a dramatic effect in your life. So I think that's one of the beautiful things that I see happening throughout the world is that so many people are actually, whether they know it or not, what they're really developing is their equanimity. And um, when they take these healing practices very seriously, when they take prayer seriously, when they take, you know, there's just so many things out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you're able to really empower the mind like this, um, we're all going to be able to literally do our part to create a new and better, calmer world because, we're just going to be able to solve things in a in a new way. So so love cannot see problems. It it only creatively creates solutions. Yeah, exactly. I I'm mean, that's that's yeah, it's really well said. I mean, I I think love love for one love sees no enemies. Like unconditional love sees no sees no one as an enemy. Let's go. Unconditional love, you know, anger is something that's very powerful, but anger itself can only destroy um so that in in and of itself yes can be useful but if you really want to create a new world it has to be done through love because if it's it's only through love that we can create something new and through this love we make sure that we're not actually perpetuating and recreating the things that we initially wanted you know initially disliked or wanted to leave behind so Mm. yeah love love is it man love is powerful let's go that's good (laughs) So tell me about your hope for your writing and your work in the world. It it seems to me like you're at a beautiful crossroads. I mean, 70,000 some odd Instagram followers uh, <laughs> checking out your little blurbs daily. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 get a, I get a great sense that you're a man of purpose. Um, and what are you, what's your hope for that work in the world? Um, I think personally for my hope, I mean, is to have more awesome conversations like this, man, this has been great. Um, I think I really just want to just inspire people to take their healing seriously. Like I want people to know Mm. that they can heal themselves. Like we've all gone through something. We've all gone through intense things. And though our lives may, may be very different, you know, these things that we experience, these like really intense emotions, they do accumulate in our mind they stay in our subconscious, they affect our daily behavior, and they affect our present and future happiness. And when we realize that, when we take our power back and start really, you know, taking our healing seriously and really finding, like I always tell people, you should find something that challenges you, but doesn't overwhelm you. And that's where your, where your, your, your practice will be, you know, you really have to find something that challenges you, because it helps you make, you know, just like exercise, it makes you stronger. Yeah. Um, but if it overwhelms you, then you're going to get hurt or you're not going to want to keep going. So, you know, and there's tons of things out there. So really, you know, be courageous, find something that's going to really help heal you. And the other part is that in your own healing, you're actually healing the world. So, you know, if we all really do our part and sort of tackle this 
you know, from di- from multiple different levels, because I think like movements are important, you know, voting and all, all these things that we've been taught are ob- obviously very important. But this is the new element that's coming in is really doing the internal work that peace requires. Mm-hmm. And um, and personally, for my own work, I just hope it inspires tons of people, you know, to keep spreading and just helping people out and, you know, getting to meet awesome people like you and just enjoying and, and, and obviously going more so into the speaking realm and just you know, using um, the little bits of writing that I put on Instagram and all these other social media networks to just, you know, help me come together with big groups of people and just really go deeper into these topics like how we are now. I want to chat through this idea of healing. Um, By that, do you mean to be transformed? Do you mean to to become whole? Do you mean to be fully integrated? do you yeah, mean to, 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 to embrace the full human experience? Like, I think some people may hear you and I talk and hear th- healing and be like, I don't need to be healed. Um, but, but, like, <laughs> but like, really what we're talking about here is, yeah. um, like, what does it mean to be fully human, fully alive? Um, yeah. And, and to, P.S., become present. Like, that's, mm-hmm. I, think, I think if you want to know why we're sick, it's because yeah. we're everywhere but here. <laughs> oh absolutely we are we I are mean, everywhere but right here in this moment yeah no it's it's funny because um when you really start trying to you know really observe yourself one of the first things you notice is that the mind is quickly jumping from the past to the future from the past to the future right, right. and it's just it's amazing how the mind is literally just wild and it really does require some taming and some healing and i, I think in terms of healing you know, there's a lot of people and I get the same thing, you know, people who are great, awesome people, very productive citizens of the world. And they just um, will think to themselves, oh, well, you know, I don't really need healing. I'm a pretty happy, calm person. I don't hurt anybody. And that is all very well and true, um, you know. But what we have to understand is that there is absolutely a range of for our own personal calmness and our own personal mm-hmm. happiness. And if we do the work to really because even if you had a very calm life. Um, there were obviously still moments where you experience deep sadness, where you experience like, you know, these intense emotions. And we, what we have to understand is that they do accumulate in the mind and body and they do affect us in later moments. So if we start really coming to know ourselves, developing that, um, cultivating that ability to be in the present moment, cultivating our, our stillness and calmness, that creates such a big space for release that, you know, we'll be able to reach higher heights of happiness. We'll be able to understand nature at a much deeper level. We'll be able to just, um, you know, love those around us much more deeply, love ourselves much more deeply. And I think people sort of become very accustomed to how they are and they're like, okay, that's good enough. Mm -hmm. But if you really see that it's to your benefit, you know, like to really enjoy life even more, to like be able to, you know, have access to a deeper happiness, then it's enticing to be, like, okay, you know, maybe I'll give this a shot because, yeah, yeah. of course, the vast majority of the world, you know, people don't want to hurt people. Right. And, um, you know, it really is, um, even though people might not understand on the conscious level, on the subconscious level, we understand that to harm another is to harm oneself. That's right. But um, but um, it's worth it. I mean, it's definitely to people's benefit, even if you're the kindest, coolest person, you know, there's still some work to be done. There's still stuff in there that needs observation and release. The healing conversation is a conversation about the difference between living and being alive. 
Mm, yo, really well said. That's yeah. great. Like I think that's I think that's um you know, when you move into this new mode of being um tradition I come from, one way they say it is the unforced rhythms of grace. Um, is is you you start to look people in the eyes. You, mm-hmm. you start to mirror back to people their in- inherent deg- dignity. Um, mm-hmm. You start to taste your food again. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, like you, you, uh, you, you have uncontrollable laughter sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. um, a random flower, an orchid, can transform you in the moment. Yeah, um, yeah. Th- this is this is a different mode of being. Um, and I think that y- you can't sell this, right? Because mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's basically surrender and letting go, right? Exactly. <laughs> Which none of us really want to do, or don't think we need to do that. Yet, once you can do it, and you find the stillness and the solitude and the silence, um, beauty beauty starts whispering to you in whole new ways. Absolutely, um, and... I think it's. I think you're you're saying it so well, man. Because it really reminds me of like the power of gratitude when you're actually right. able to be in yes. a present moment and you can be grateful for what is happening. You know, the, literally the things that are keeping you alive, like That's people right. forget that we breathe air, you know, we're literally breathing air for our own existence and it's there for us, you know, like, then like water, like these simple things that are so beautiful and we completely forget because we're so worried about work and we're so worried about like what we need to do next and, you know, important things. But at the same time, we forget the blessing that is constantly happening to us. Right We're on. constantly being blessed and it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. That unconditional flow of love is always towards us. Mm-hmm. Always mm-hmm. towards us. So, um, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, my younger self, man. I would, <laughs> I would let him know, you know, I really didn't understand that pain was impermanent. Um, I, you know, I would like different moments of like heartbreak and just intensity, you know, sadness that I felt like, you know, being upset with my parents or like, you know, my first relationship totally falling apart, like when I was a young teenager and, and just being so sad and really, I just didn't understand that that pain would end and it would go away because nothing, nothing lasts, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. if you look at nature, everything's constantly changing and, um, I would definitely let him know that pain is impermanent. And um, yeah, I think that would be like the main lesson, um, though that lesson is difficult to impart unless you have the personal experience, you know, that, like what we're talking about, your personal direct observation of that reality and that truth, which is what requires you to really attain that wisdom. Right, right. Yeah. Wow. Well said. So um, you're in New York City, living the dream writing writing beautiful things holding events (laughs) speaking um what's the best way for our listeners to maybe follow you and and what you're doing would you send them to instagram or where should they go yeah yeah i think the the best spot right now is definitely instagram um there's just beautiful things going on over there um people really creating these little like niches for themselves and you know i'm totally so grateful to instagram for helping me create a platform but you can reach me at, at young pueblo which is um um, at Y-U-N-G underscore P-U-E-B-L-O. And um, you'll be able to get, you know, by far, that's where I put like my newest things and where I'm really putting my most, most of my energy into. And, um, and if you're, you know, you happen to be listening and you're in this in New York City um, or in the area, 
I'm having my book launch November 9th. Right. And um, yeah, it's going to be at this awesome place called ABC Home. And, um, you know, big event. It's going to be fantastic. And the people who come to the event will be the first ones to get the book, which is pretty awesome because everyone will be able to order it on November 9th. But the people who come will be the first ones to get it. Very cool. So Very definitely cool. everyone's welcome. Um. Well, hey, let's keep this conversation going. I, I think there's, I think there's something here, and mm-hmm. uh, I think you've got some uh, wisdom and beauty to uh, bestow upon us. And um, from from Texas, uh, I'll send some gratitude your way and say I'm super grateful for you and your work and your energy in the world. And um, keep doing it, man. We're we're thankful for you. Uh, thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for having me too. Thank you, and also for creating such a beautiful platform for people to really be inspired. Like I'm always so grateful to those who create these spaces where, you know, people can enter and just deeply inspire each other. I mean, we need, we need more and more of those spaces. Yeah. Well, just doing my little part, man, helping we're, we're all tuning up, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right on, man. Well, you guys make sure you go, uh, follow, uh, Diego. Remember it's young Y U N G underscore Pueblo. There isn't an O mm-hmm. in young, uh, in mm-hmm. Instagram. I promise you, you'll get some, uh, little tidbits of wisdom coming your way each day. And, uh, Diego, thanks again, man, for joining us. Grateful for you. Keep doing great things. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ashton. Be well. All right. Cheers. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Our goal at Let the Music Play podcast is to bring as much insight and inspiration to the world that we can. And by leaving a review, you will help us in doing our little part in making the world tune up to a great, big, and lovely song.